With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. What's up, guys? You're listening to Wide Open Radio, the nation's number one custom motorcycle podcast. With your host, Courtney Lambert. Hear real talk discussions with the biggest names in the industry about the latest custom motorcycle news, trends, and events. Now, grab a drink and have a seat, because we're about to get started. What's up, guys? This is Courtney Lambert, host of Wide Open Radio. I'm so excited about today's episode, and I hope you guys are, too. Uh, We've been talking about this for quite a while. I've been wanting to have my friend Crystal Hess from Motorcycle Missions on the show so that you guys can hear all about what she does. And today's finally the day. Uh, We've had a ton of people um, emailing and messaging today asking how to listen. So hopefully you guys were able to find that on Facebook or Instagram. Um, There's so much going on. Right now, guys, there's um, Daytona. I leave for Daytona on Thursday, um, so we're trying to get ready to get out of there. Um, so many different live interviews from Daytona, which is going to be really cool. We're going to do some different things for you there. Um, Jared Coomer from Coomer Customs is going to be our correspondent out at Daytona again, so you'll get to see kind of a couple different perspectives uh, depending on where he is or where I am. So we're going to try to bring you some really good coverage of the event. Um, after that, we've got um, Donnie Smith's show coming up, uh, Leesburg Bike Fest, Bikes on the Beach in Miami, which is going to be huge. So uh, you'll be hearing a lot about those events coming up uh, as soon as I get out to Daytona and get settled there. So um, I don't want to waste any time, guys. Uh, I want to go ahead and bring Crystal on. Uh, I'm going to kind of ask her a couple of questions first, and then I'm going to let her kind of talk about her background. So Crystal, are you with us? I am. Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah. How are you? Yeah, yeah. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Good. Um, I was telling everybody that I'm trying to plan it where I can get you on for a while, so I'm excited to have you on. Uh, I think you have a really cool story to share and uh, a lot to tell people about what you do. Um, You are founder of Motorcycle Missions, which is a really cool organization, Um, and we'll talk about that more later, but... Um, I want to ask first if you can just kind of give everybody a background of yourself, um, starting from the very beginning and leading kind of up to your motorcycle history. Okay, well, um, I spent the first 30 years of my life in Canada. I was uh, born and raised there, and um, I did uh, went into nursing school and worked in a hospital there on a kind of step-down ICU surgical ward for about eight years, and um I was in a nine-year marriage um, that came to an end uh, right before I moved to Texas, and um, it, unfortunately, it was kind of a it was kind of an abusive relationship. Normally, I wouldn't share that, but that mm-hmm. is an important part of my story. Um, so, getting out of that, coming to the U.S., um, I just kind of was thinking I was 
you know, just coming here for a change. I have dual citizenship, so I didn't need to get a green card or anything. It was super easy for me to just come on over here. And I have family living in Texas and I have family living in California and um, some in uh, um, uh, Phoenix that actually snowbird down there. So um, I wanted a change, was just thinking I was going to move to the States, you know, for a break from the snow and to just do something different. And um, I ended up uh, getting into another relationship with someone who I didn't know was bipolar. And um, that relationship changed my entire life. Um, It it was hard enough already coming from a nine-year relationship uh, that I was in that was kind of abusive. And um, and, and coming coming to terms with myself that it was time to leave and and actually following through with it and then coming into another relationship that – unbeknownst to me, was also unstable. And um, there was a day where he attempted suicide. And he wasn't successful, wow. thankfully, but um, he uh, he was damaged enough that we were not allowed to speak or, or um, communicate again. And um, he's living his own life. I don't, I don't really know what he's doing. But um, I know that, that without him, I wouldn't be into motorcycles. And... Um, doing what I'm doing, but through my experience, so I've had obviously firsthand experience with someone who's suicidal, but then also too, um, I myself with, after this whole situation, uh, found myself alone in Texas, not knowing anybody. Um, he, um, kind of made me witness to his behavior before, um, the attempt or and during the attempt. So um, that kind of left me with a lot of emotional scars in addition to what I had dealt with uh, in my previous marriage. So um, I'm sure. I was kind of dealing, dealing with a lot here in Texas and didn't, was kind of ready to turn around and go back home to Canada and, you know, suck my thumb on the couch and feel sorry for myself. But I kind of <laughs> decided I was going to rise against it and make uh, lemonade. And um, where the motorcycles come in is he was a motorcycle guy. Um, I, I loved cars growing up, and, and I remember being a big fan of Jesse Combs and watching, um, like, Chip Foose, and, and I really loved, back in the day, Fast and the Furious was my, kind of my era when I was in high school, and that was really cool. And um, I remember being a teenager asking my dad for a loan so I could open my own car shop, and I tried to volunteer at custom car shops, and nobody would let me work there. But that was kind of my, Why my do you thing. Think that I just was? loved I loved cars. I don't know. I just in Canada, the market there is different. It's like we only have two two months of the year that are even worth um, driving around in a nice car, let alone riding a motorcycle. Um, the market's not huge there, and I just think they didn't take me seriously. I was a young high school girl, just wanting to have exposure to it, wanted to be around it. Uh, I don't really know yeah. why, and I didn't really ask. I just I had my own car. I worked on it. I I did all my own customizing on it. And I love this thing. And um, so when I met a boy in, in Texas that had that southern drawl, which was amazing to a Canadian mm-hmm. girl, um, but also to um, built custom motorcycles, I thought, damn, that's cool. And, and, you know, all the photographs and all the awards he'd won for bikes he'd done was really neat. And so I just knew I wanted to be a part of it. And um, we started working on a bike together, and I just followed his lead. You know, it was the bike that he chose, and it's not my choice now nor will it ever be but it was his choice uh then it was a it was a 2009 suzuki hayabusa and Mm -hmm. we were going to we were going to customize it and build it together so we um we bought the thing we bought all the aftermarket parts for it 
Um, he powder coated for a living, so he taught me how to powder coat. We powder coated the frame for this thing and, and, and uh, the, the, the swing arm and all the other parts that we wanted to add to it. Um, so we did that together. The bike was 75% done. And then on the day that he um, decided he didn't want to be on planet Earth anymore, uh, he uh, dismantled the bike um, and took it with him uh, in his van. Uh, and then two days later, they recovered him and, and the motorcycle in, in the van, or actually one day later. Um, and the motorcycle was dismantled, and he was rushed off to the hospital. And then I, I was, wow. because most of my, a lot of my money was invested in this motorcycle, it was now my problem. And uh, I just remember being led to a storage unit with all this motorcycle stuff in it, things that I had never seen before, knew what they were, never, you know, I'm not, I wasn't a motorcycle girl. I hadn't, I was just, it was my first exposure to a motorcycle in my life. I'd never even ridden one before. So opening the door to this storage unit and uh, seeing all this stuff and seeing the bike that we had 75% done in pieces and actually covered in blood, which was very disturbing. Um, wow. And I, me having, it was my job to, to straighten this out and deal with this mess I had. And I mean, I had tire machines and bike lifts and all the motorcycle parts you can think of, powder coating powder, powder coating guns, um, everything you can think of. And it just became, do, you know, the, the fight or flight, do I go back home? Do I allow myself to be a victim or do I become a victor? And out of that, I decided no, I'm not going to let this, my dream die here. I'm not going to go back to Canada, back to what I knew. Um, that meant I was just returning to my old ways and old bad habits. So I decided I was going to stay here and figure out my problem. And basically what I ended up doing was uh, finding someone in Austin to mentor me, to teach me how to put this motorcycle back together because the insurance companies didn't want to pay me any more than what it was would cost to put it back to stock and um, I had a lot more money into it than that so uh, I decided to spend a summer rebuilding it and that's where my addiction for motorcycles began and um, when that bike was finished and it was the way that I don't know if it was 100% the way that that my ex had intended it to be but it was my little version of it and um, it turned out beautiful um it was a really proud moment in my life and, and just something that um, was very healing and I, I got a lot of closure out of. Um, so I enjoyed I that bet. experience so much working on bikes that I just I just stuck around that shop and started working on other bikes and then doing more bikes and then started to powder coat and teach myself that and uh, started powder coating for the guy across the street and then the shop down the street and then next thing I know, within three years, I had 12 bike builds and, I don't know, uh, power coating for Ferrari of Austin and the Ducati dealership in San Antonio and the uh, Harley dealership here in town. So that's... Uh, so you, you have to be pretty good then if you're doing that. <laughs> well, I mean, yeah, it, this all, I mean, I can tell you it was fire in my soul that, that got me there. It was just, I was like, I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. I'm not quitting. I told myself that every day. I'm not quitting. And it, it didn't matter, like, if there was a challenge, if there was a challenge, yes, like, you know, I'd burn myself on an oven or on a motorcycle part, and there's days I wanted to quit, and there's days 
I'd come home with like whatever color powder coat I was powder coating that day. It would be in my nose and in my hair and in my ears and I'd be sick all the time, you know, and then you'd have to use aircraft strippers sometimes and just chemicals and nasty stuff. And there are times I'm like, what am I doing? Like, here's this nurse doing this crap work. But at the same time, I'm like, no, this is, this is, I want this. So, um, and then the riding came second and, uh, I just, I just started to get over my fear because I really, I really didn't, I'm not really a speed demon and I'm not, um, it took me a while to get used to like the inertia and the feeling of wind on my body and that kind of thing on a bike. So that was like a challenge every day also in itself. So it was like riding down to the mailbox, riding to the convenience store, riding to the restaurant to meet my friend for lunch. And then I, you know, the more I rode, the further I would get and then becoming a rider, you know, and, and actually being able, being able to call myself that um, within about a year of the, this whole journey was kind of awesome. And that's really cool to hear, Crystal, because so many people on the show, it's kind of funny because a lot of us have in common that we started out on little dirt bikes when we were five, six, seven years old. And it's actually really cool to hear that you didn't start that way and you were an adult before you even decided that you wanted to learn how to ride. So I think that's really cool. Well, and I, I mean, the day that I learned how to ride, I was at the shop that I was working out of, and he's like, you know how to ride, right? And I said, yeah, and I didn't. I mean, I'd ridden on the back of my sister's ninja when she was, you know, she's eight years older than me, so um, she was she was so cool Went back in the day. She had a ninja, really cool, cool one in the 90s. I don't know what year it was, but I rode on the back of that, and um, I thought in this parking lot, I went out there after talking to the shop owner, and he's like, you know how to ride? I said, yes. He gave me the keys to a little Suzuki Intruder. And uh, I went out there, and I stood by it in, like, 110-degree heat. It was, like, the hottest summer we've had in, like, a long time here in Austin. And I stood by the bike, and I just pulled out my phone, and I just YouTubed how to start a motorcycle. I watched that video about two or three times, and then I YouTubed how to ride a motorcycle and shift a motorcycle. I watched that video about five times, and then I just got on the bike, and I rode. And I just rode out onto the main road, and then there was a, you know, just an off-road, and it just looped back. And I made it back just fine, and I was like, I did it. You know, it was awkward and super scary, but I did it, you know. So then the next day just pushing myself again, like I said, just a little farther, a little further, a little further. And then um, now I, I ride on the track. I like doing track days. I have a dirt bike and I do I do dirt. And I, I try and ride out on the street as much as I can. But the uh, population here in Austin is getting a little crazy. So the traffic is a little crazy too. And I live right in the hub of it. So getting out of here takes me an hour just to get out into some good, good riding. Um, but I love it. And... Uh, both the riding and working on motorcycles is definitely my passion. It's definitely what keeps me balanced for sure. That's awesome. And, and I've definitely never had anybody had. tell me that that's the way they learned to ride was by YouTube videos. Yeah. You know, most people, yeah, wouldn't, but yeah, I did. Nobody, nobody taught me. I, I can give Kevin Schwantz, um, you guys know Kevin Schwantz is a MotoGP champion in the 90s. Um, he was the first person to teach me how to ride a dirt bike, which was kind of badass. So, but he wasn't the first person to teach me how to ride, but he was the first to teach me how to ride a dirt bike. So that's cool. That's cool. Um, so 
Tell everybody a little bit about the bikes that you've owned so far, and then I want to talk about what you do in your everyday life now. Well, so um, so you guys heard about the Hayabusa, and that was a that was a turbo Hayabusa, I might add. Um, it was a crazy, <laughs> crazy, crazy bike, and I never rode it. Of course, I sold it to a gentleman in, in the Grand Cayman Islands, um, and that guy still has it. And he's a lawyer, and he's in his like fifties or sixties, probably in his fifties, and he has a Suzuki Hayabusa, a lawyer, just. Was incredible when you came to pick the thing up. I didn't think I, you know, when you when you know someone's coming to buy something and you haven't met them yet, you have an idea of what they're like. But this guy was the exact opposite of someone I thought. You know, I could just do owning like a Ducati or something, you know. But um, he had. You thought he it was probably going to be like a 22-year-old kid. Yeah, yeah, no, he's 60 and he's got kids of his own, and yeah, he still has it. So. And he loves it. Um, so that was my first bike. And then the, the next the next bike that I was learning on was a 550 XJ, a Yamaha uh, Seca. Um, and then I did, um, the, the shop owner that I was working with, he suggested just to get me familiar with motorcycles. And, and this is a good start for anybody who's wanting to do a build and hasn't done one before, are the Suzuki Savages and the Rika Motors kits. So they have like, kits that you can do like you can do a bobber kit or a cafe racer kit or a scrambler kit or a tracker and um, I decided to buy every one of their kits and bought five Suzuki Savages and did a did a whole fleet of them um, each with a different theme so I did like I don't know if anyone's familiar with my pink bike but I have a hot pink bike and her her name is Cinderella and she's got like pin-up pictures of women uh in history riding motorcycles on it and then i had a a rusty bobber and a hot wheels bike and i did a a a kevin schwantz lucky strike um homage to him um cafe racer and um i did a zombie killer that was a lot of fun but uh yeah i had i had all of those bikes except cinderella taken away from me in a flood in 2013, I had just moved into my own shop, and a month later, I had five and a half feet of water in my shop. I had just bought wow. all new power coating, wow. all new power coating equipment, ovens, uh, sandblasters, and and had just settled into my shop. And then we had a really heavy rain one Halloween night, and uh, I didn't believe it when my landlord called me the next day and said my shop was underwater, but it was, and. Um, so I lost all my bikes except Cinderella, which was in my garage at home that day. And um, so when that happened, that was another challenge. And um, I hadn't gone that far to be defeated again, so I just cleaned up and kept going. Um, after that, I um, I have a friend, his name's David Roy in Austin. Um, he owns a, a fabricating shop called Voodoo Vintage, and he makes a lot of custom frames and hardtails. And um, he he's mentored me. Over the last five years, actually today's his birthday, so happy birthday, Dave. Um, he's mentored me over the years on, on fabricating and building motorcycles, and I constantly say if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't be doing nearly at all what I'm doing now. Um, he and I did a, we did a, um, a Yamaha XS650 uh, board track bike. Um, I was commissioned by Forty Creek Whiskey to build them a bike for their branding, and um, this little badass board tracker we did, um, Dave fabricated the, the, the frame and the uh, tank, and then my friend Jake and I put the bike together in my garage at home. Um, that was one of that, that bike has won a, uh, three or four awards, I think. 
Um, it, it won People's Choice at International Motorcycle Show in 2015, and it won a couple other kind of local awards um, here in Austin. And then um, he and I did a, a Indian Scout, which I call the Girl Scout, um, which was competed in a guys versus girls bike build off. And um, again, Dave was teaching me how to fabricate things throughout the whole process. Um, and now, um, Dave and Dave and I and uh, Chris Moose, um, he, we, we all have kind of joined together and we're doing motorcycle missions and we're building bikes for my nonprofit now. So we've got, um, we've got four bikes under our belt with motorcycle missions in just under a year. Uh, one of them was a, um, a Harley Softail. Uh, I can't remember what year it was, 90-something. But uh, the owner of Rot Rally, Jerry Bragg, donated his Springer to us. And uh, we had the veterans in my nonprofit uh, rebuild it and uh, made a little badass kind of tracker out of it. So we've done that. Um, we did a, uh, a, another board track bike um, that we just made. We literally finished it January 28th. We had the reveal, bolted the last part on that morning. We had the reveal January 28th. The bike went to IMS show in Dallas on February 2nd. It won freestyle class, and then it went to the championship in Chicago, where it won the championship. And it won uh, $10,000 cash plus $10,000 in prizes. And um, that bike is currently sitting at Cowboy Harley in Austin on display. Cowboy Harley is one of our biggest biggest sponsors that we have. Um, they have the bike right now, and uh, now we're we've, we're working on a Triumph uh, Scrambler with a sidecar for the handle show that Lincoln Electric is sponsoring. And we also just did a trike, um, a Harley Softail trike, for um, a veteran named Tin Man. Tin Man uh, lost a few of his appendages. Um, defending this country, and so we um, were able to, with the help of 22 Kill, which is another nonprofit, uh, make him a bike that uh, we took his, his old bike and we, we, we repurposed it, made it a little bit better for him and um, more modern and a little bit more stylish. So um, we've been up to a lot, and I mean, and, and this all began for me in 2011, and motorcycle missions just began in 2016, so to have four bikes already built for them for motorcycle missions in one year is a lot. Yeah, you guys have been killing it. And it's it's cool to hear you talk about the bikes that you've built so far because I've seen a lot of them. Um, and I'll have to get some pictures. Um, I have pictures of some of them, but I'll have to get pictures from you of the rest of them so we can post them on the event page um, and on the Wide Open Radio page so everybody can kind of put a picture to what you're talking about. Uh, but speaking of which, uh, Todd, I don't know if you're listening, but Todd was asking why there's no video with this. So if you guys are listening and you're a new listener to Wide Open Radio, um, during the, the live version, you're just listening to audio, live audio, raw audio from us. Um, there will be a recorded version later, but there's no video with this. So Todd was asking earlier where's the video, and I'm like, eh, no video with this today. So I'll definitely well, have pictures from you so we can post them. Told her I looked like a troll today, so I'd prefer not no video if there was. But she said there wasn't anyway, <laughs> so I'm off the hook. <laughs> yeah, we were gonna try something with video, but that was that was the nail that filled the coffin right there. I was like, nope, that was my sign that we don't need to do it. So we'll try it another time. Um, I'm sure that we'll do a video next time we do it. Um, so I want to ask you. Um, 
we've heard about your background. We've heard about how you got into motorcycles and, and all that. But you mentioned um, your nonprofit, Motorcycle Missions. And that's one of the main things that I really wanted to talk about today so that people out there who maybe haven't heard of it can learn more. Because um, I think it's an yeah. awesome organization. Um, if anybody out there knows anyone with PTSD, you know how serious and how taxing it can be on not just that person but the people around them. Um, I know people myself, and it's affected their lives drastically, you know, and they're working so hard just to keep that covered up. So there's a lot going on inside, and I love what you guys are doing because it's um, it's really a, a form of therapy where you're using motorcycles to help these people, and I love it. So um, tell us about the whole birth of Motorcycle Missions, how you thought of it, and how you brought it all to fruition. Well, I mean, Motorcycle Missions – I have I just have this heart for for helping other people. I always have. My mom calls me a rescuer. Um, I just I it's just in, it's just who I am. And and I've done a lot of charity work with people. And I just have a heart for people, especially people who are suffering. Um, without the motorcycle, without that Hayabusa, as, as shitty of a situation that I was in when that thing reared its ugly head and all that stuff happened. I mean that that motorcycle was the biggest blessing of my life, and um, and that just that changed everything for me. And it, for me, it was looking forward to the challenge. It was I was challenging myself every day. I just wanted to learn new things. And um, coming into the shop, being able to say, okay, you know, today I'm going to be working on this, and 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 trying my best, whether I, even though I didn't know anything. And, I mean, YouTube became my best friend, but then also I had good people around me helping me um, understand how things work, um, but also to powder coating and learning how – because when you powder coat, you have to learn really quickly how parts go together, um, like how a wheel hub fits a, a, the wheel, how the, how the brake calipers fit, how, you know, a triple tree um, fits on the neck, so that you know where how things need to be masked, et cetera, when you're coating them for your customers. So I learned how to do – a lot of that stuff through that. But that all became therapy for me. Like, it, it just became a challenge, and I was I was uh, meeting those challenges, and I was learning new things. And uh, through that, I mean, I started going to bike nights and handing out my cards. And, um, like, I mean, business just started to boom, and then I was power coding for everybody in, in the city. And then I started a bike night that became the biggest bike night in the, in the city as well. And then through that, just just ended up connecting with motorcycle people everywhere, and I mean, I mean everywhere. Uh, just grew, and with all the bikes that I've been able um, been able to do, you know, they go to shows and they travel, and so I've met people in Daytona, and I've met people in California, um, big name people and small name people, and um, every one of those connections is important. And I was sitting. Uh, with some of my buddies who are veterans, and I was I was listening to their struggles and um, them talking about how motorcycles are the only thing that kind of keeps them from going crazy. And I I could relate to them. You know, I could say, absolutely, the motorcycle is, and, and just the things that come with it, the camaraderie and and uh, you know, not just not just the riding experience, but the building and and just meeting new people is, is really what got me out of my shell and helped me survive what I went through. So um, it's changed who I am as a person, and, and I recognize that um, 
they can it can change other people. If it can change me, if it can impact my life the way that it did, then it can help other people. It can it can um, be healing to them like it was for me. So um, I kind of had in my cell phone just like a whole bunch of power in my contact list, people I know, parts manufacturers, um, moto celebrities, whatever. I mean, I, I, I ended up having quite a group of people that I knew would, would help me with this. And so I thought, I'm just, you know, I felt called to do it. And um, most of this is my nursing background and, and um, my own desire to help people. Um, the motorcycle thing I mean, and, and the, the people that, that have brought into, the, it has brought into my life just allowed it to happen. So everything has just fallen into place. I've um, I just decided at first that I was going to start slowly, and I, I ended up doing a video series of, of people who ride. So me and my, my photographer, Dalton, we traveled all the way to California, and along the way we interviewed a whole bunch of people. We interviewed a lot of people from JMP Cycles, you know, Joe Sparrow. We did a video on Joe Sparrow. We did... Um, some videos on some veterans that ride as a means of therapy. Um, we've, we've done all sorts of interviews with the guys at Wall of Death, um, uh, Jeremy Lacey from Downshift Studios, just talking to, to people, normal people, about why they ride and, and how motorcycles have, have changed them for the better. And um, a lot of people, you know, I, I think it's very hard to find someone who, who can't, who would deny that motorcycles are very therapeutic. So we started with that. Um, knowing that we'd have to build our audience somehow um, so that people were paying attention to motorcycle missions so that when I, when I added the build portion of it and the riding portion of it, that we actually had people paying attention. So, um, so we did the video series first, and then um, we added our motocross camp. And um, in Austin, we have uh, a, a training facility here called um, BMX Factory, and it's run by a championship racer, Tyler Livesey. And... Mm-hmm. Tyler and I met at church uh, once upon a time, and, and he teaches little kids how to ride and, and, and grown-ups too, but he does a lot of uh, kids' camps and learn-to-ride programs, and I approached him about teaching veterans how to ride as well, and so he was all over that, and um, so we've been doing motocross camps in Austin, teaching, teaching vets how to ride. Most of them most of them come in with no experience or very little experience riding anything at all. And then they actually get professional level instruction. And when they leave, they, you know, they're, they're going over jumps and stuff. And um, you see their demeanor change just in a few hours, which is really awesome. We even had a, one of the riders wrote me a letter recently saying, you know, when ever since that day I did at, at the track with you guys, I decided to get my own bike and I, I ride now all the time. And he's like, that's all I think about. And he said, my wife even says I'm a better husband to her because of it. So um, wow. he was super stoked. Yeah, he was super stoked. He said, like, you know, my PTSD is not, it's not me anymore. It's not what I'm defined by. He said that the motorcycle has got me out of my head. So that is amazing in itself. Um, and then we have the Build Mentorship Program that we've, we started to do, we started last February. So February 2017 was our very first attempt at the motorcycle build mentorship program and we we ended up building the bike that rot rally gives away every year so they do it they do a um a raffle at on on stage the last night the last concert night of the rally to a veteran they always give one away and every year historically they've had another a shop somewhere build this bike 
And I approached them and said, you know, what if you had eight or nine veterans and then you donated it and raffled it off to another veteran? And they thought that was great. So Jerry donated his own personal springer for that project and and, um, they funded the build. That was our first build, which was great. And um, I've worked with Rot Rally in the past. So um, I've had bikes in their show before and I've been a vendor at their show also. But um, so it was really cool because last year we all the veterans got to ride up front in the parade, and they all got backstage access to the concert that night. And um, with every build that we do, we make it an experience. Like it's not just the build and then they go home. Like they're allowed to come back and, and mentor the, the next group of builders. They're allowed to be involved in any capacity that they want to after the build is done. Um, the second bike that we did, we had one one uh, the veterans come back during the second build, and um, that one's the one that we just won the championship with. And uh, and then the bike that we're doing right now, Lincoln Electric, is sponsoring. And, um, I mean, this bike is going to be revealed at, at Handbuilt. And, um, I mean, these guys are going to get the VIP experience with, uh, with the pre-party. And we've, they've got tickets for the MotoGP afterwards on the Sunday. And it's, it, I, I want it to be an experience for them. I want them to go away you know, change, but I want them to also know that once the build is over, it's not over. I mean, Motorcycle Missions is going to mentor and help any way that we can all the time. And I mean, to anyone, people from our first build or people from our 20th build, it doesn't matter. But um, Lincoln has also stepped up and, and has given us the opportunity to offer a welding program. So Dave Roy at Rudy being the amazing fabricator he is and the, the shop owner of where we have our build nights, um, the welding classes, in addition to Chris Moose, um, who is also a welder fabricator um, extraordinaire. And those two guys um, are our shop sponsors, and they are what make this possible. I mean, without Dave or Chris, I wouldn't be able to do any of this by myself, obviously. Um, But we have a great team, the three of us, and we both, David Roy being a veteran himself, and Christmas having a huge heart for veterans, um, just like I do. Great team. So we just hope to keep changing lives, and that's that's what we want to do. Well, you know, I think it's awesome what you guys are doing, and um, I want for everybody out there to kind of understand a little better, like the the people who come in, the veterans and the first responders who come in and participate on the builds that you guys do. How do you find those people, and how do they how do they become a part of it? How do they become a part of it? Well, um, so I, I have online on on my website www.motorcycle-missions.org. I have a, a sign up to build or a sign up to ride button. I asked for a little bit of a, um, a testimony. I asked you specifically if you struggle with PTSD uh, or like traumatic brain injury or anxiety or any of those things. Um, most people who sign up are very open and transparent about that stuff. Um, I, I do kind of like a little interview process when, where I where I feel it's needed. And um, so the general public, anybody out there from you know coast to coast, can go on there and apply. Um, but then also too, a lot of the veterans are local, and I, I mean, on most weekends, I'm not not having fun on vacation somewhere. I'm usually at some um, nonprofit fundraiser or some veteran-related event um, where I'm putting. I have my tents set up, and I'm I'm there to talk to veterans and 
shake their hand and meet them and introduce them to motorcycle missions and tell them about it. And um, so I I do my best to just be out there as much as I can so every veteran will know about us and know what we do and know that they're welcome in our shop walls. And, um, you know, here are the forms to sign up. Of course, like I said, there are criteria that they have to meet. And um, once I, I, I have kind of screened them and feel that they, they meet the criteria, then, then um, they're welcome on our build or on our, on our ride, whichever one they, set, they sign up for. So, um, okay. And I mean, so we that's also something have a where they would, so that's something where they would need to actually be able to come to you, right? Yeah, I mean, we I've been getting a lot of emails and things from people in other states um, wanting to do this, but in their city. And, and I mean, um, we are kind of working towards that, um, to like opening a couple, uh, maybe a, a, doing a build in, a, in another city and doing a ride, maybe in Colorado, a ride program in Colorado. But obviously it's hard to branch out into every city, Um but I mean, it's just gonna—it's gonna just take building Austin. Um, I don't want motorcycle missions to grow too fast. I mean, right currently, right now, uh, I'm volunteer and Dave and Chris are volunteer. Not nobody's making money with motorcycle missions. Um, it, it's very difficult, I think, in today's digital age. I mean, it, it's easier in the sense that you can just go on and click a button, but it's more difficult to raise money in this digital age because there are so many other nonprofits needing help. And we are inundated with them on Facebook every day, and people don't know what the heck, you know, to pick from. And also considering only, like, what is it, 1% of all houses in the United States care about motorcycles? Um, it's hard to get somebody who, who, who isn't a motorcycle person to want to give to a motorcycle um, nonprofit, even if it is with veterans. I mean, it's hard for them to – they'd rather give to, you know, a horseback riding, equine um, – Yeah. Nonprofit yeah. at this point, yeah. So I mean, to convince people to donate to a motorcycle nonprofit, it's kind of harder. So it's harder to raise money. But we are, you know, we, so if, if I had millions and millions and millions, yeah, sure, I could just pop up a bunch of motorcycle mission shops everywhere. But um, I really don't want this to grow too fast. I want this to last because I know a lot of nonprofits do grow too fast and they don't last. And that's not that's not what I want for this at all. I want this to be something that. Um, grows organically and um, for the right reasons and has the right people involved. And um, I just want to make sure we do it right. So so it's going to be slower. Yes, I would love for it to be everywhere. But um, I will be announcing um, probably before the end of the year um, a project that's going to take it outside of Austin. So if you guys want to stay posted on uh, social media for that. But um, until then, no, it's just Austin. So, yes, you have to be here. Okay. You have to be here in Austin okay. to take part. Yeah. Gotcha. Now, we had a, a question really quick that I'll um, ask for someone who posted this on Facebook. They wanted to know um, where, what is the next event that you plan to be set up at? Well, uh, so actually the next event is this coming Saturday at Cowboy Harley in Austin, and it's going to be um, – an award ceremony for the veterans that won um, the, the J&P Cycles Ultimate Builder King of the Builders Champion Championship. Um, none of the veterans were able to come to Chicago for obvious reasons. Chicago, it was far and it was 
we didn't know we were going to win last minute uh, in Dallas. <laughs> so uh, we didn't have any of the veterans there with us uh, to accept any of their awards on stage. So we're having an award ceremony for them at Cowboy Harley this Saturday at noon. So that's, that's awesome. our, our next event. Um, we have our build build program every Wednesday. Um, if anybody listening ever wants to just come drop by and be a visitor, um, just send me an email at info at motorcyclemissions.com. Um, I always allow people to come and check us out and visit and uh, see what we do. And, um, I mean, the bike, the bike that we're doing right now that will be revealed at Handbuilt, that's going to be our next major event. So uh, we will have the bikes that we just won with, the championship with at Handbuilt, and then we'll also have a new bike build at Handbuilt with uh, our sidecar. So that'll be the... Okay, and I have another question. Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm done. (laughs) Um, There's a delay, sorry. So I'll start talking and you're not finished yet, so sorry. Um, There's another question from Facebook that, um, let's see, Michelle sent in and she wants to know how long the build process is with your build program. So whenever you bring the veterans, first responders, and people in, um, and if you're only doing this on Wednesdays, how long does it typically take you guys to finish a full build? Finish a full build. So the very first bike we did, uh, the Softail Springer, um, we started in February and we ended the very first week of June. Um, of course, with every build that we've done, sometimes we have to add, like what we would say, okay, guys, it's the last month and, and we're going to need to add some Saturdays in here somewhere. So we've, we have done that too, where we add an extra day in the end when we know we need a little bit more, need to be spending a little bit more time on it. Um, but typically three months is about uh, about average. The bike that we, the board track bike, uh, we started building that in September and we finished it in January. And the bike that we're doing right now is going to be another three-month build also. So it's approximately three or four months per build. That's really impressive. You guys are knocking them out a lot quicker than I would, I would have imagined. So that's, that's really good. Um, tell me a little bit about uh, where you want to see motorcycle missions go in the future. You, you said that you would like to see um, your organization expand slowly. Um, but are there any other classes or features or anything that you you feel like might be beneficial in the future that you're working towards? Well, um, we've just started a welding program, and, and that's, that's, been, that's been really awesome. And that, that would be something that would be easier for us to expand. Um, of course, with any motorcycle build or, um, like, even, even the motocross camps, there's always legalities. Like, there's, you know, someone hurts themselves or cuts themselves or something always an issue. Those kinds of things are what really scare me about expanding and just letting somebody that I don't have any control over just post a build or run a shop or something like that. But um, I have a lot of, I know a lot of uh, amazing fabricators throughout the country who would, um, I'm sure, would love to take on a welding class for motorcycle missions uh, with Lincoln Electric's help or um, maybe, you know, I I, I plan on doing a build-off where I'm going to introduce five, I'm going to have a I don't know, maybe four or five different shops throughout the country do a build-off um, where they each get their certain criteria they have to have to meet and, and they, they get to compete, you know, different groups of veterans throughout the country which is get to compete against one another for for a prize or something like that. Um, that's 
also under discussion at the moment. Um, that's what I was hoping to, to maybe kind of reveal here by the end of the year, uh, my plans for that. But also, um, kind of in the back of my head, we have the Circuit of the Americas, which is the only um, Moto Grand Prix track in America now. And it's right in my backyard here in Austin, Texas. We have um, a wonderful organization called RideSmart Ride Smart that does track days. And I've done many track days with RideSmart. Um, I'm also hoping that we will be able to introduce track days to our veterans as well. So I'm trying to work on getting getting some things outlined for that. Um, but, but, yeah, I hope to have maybe some track days involved to get them out on the track. Um, also to uh, motorcycle safety courses, like getting your, your M endorsement on your license, that kind of thing. Um, I'm in talks with other other groups. But like I said, all of this stuff is kind of like I don't want to get motorcycle missions to grow too fast. So I just need to be careful what I'm, what we're putting our time into at the moment and focus on what's getting maximum results for our vets and our first responders and um, where our dollars make most sen- the most sense. Um, but yeah, those are all the all the opportunities, all the possibilities. So it's pretty exciting, I think. Yeah, and it's yeah. it's crazy because it's scary that you can have all these ideas about oh, this would be awesome, this would be great, but then having to reel it back in because you don't want it to grow too fast. And I'm sure that there's a ton of of organizations and companies that are wanting to team up with you to do stuff too, which is awesome. So hopefully. Hopefully you'll find that balance and be able to kind of grow slowly and, and keep this going for a long time because, like I said, I love it. I think everybody's listening is going to love it. Um, we're going to talk in a minute uh, before we close about how to connect with you and how to support and motorcycle missions. Um, before we do that, I want to ask you, though, is there anything else that people need to know about motorcycle missions that we've not discussed? Oh, man. <laughs> Not really. <laughs> I think I've covered most of it. I'll probably think of something right after we hang up, but um <laughs> no, I mean basically our our heart is is um is to is to give veterans and first responders a place to keep their idle hands busy, to keep their minds on something else and to meet new friends and build that camaraderie and that brotherhood. Um uh, one of the things I'm most proud of is seeing our veterans change before our eyes um, on each build. Um, a lot of them building friendships that they never had before and that they didn't know that they needed. Um, and we've had a couple of our guys in the hospital with, with issues and um, one of them with severe PTSD. Um, and it's amazing to see their brothers on their build surround them with, you know, with love and care and, and compassion for one another. And um, that is something that they wouldn't have that, you know, those, those connections they wouldn't have if it wasn't for motorcycle missions and, and um, how it's just given these guys a place, a place to be, you know, and to do some cool stuff that they never, never normally would have had the opportunity to do, you know, at least not in the capacity that yeah. we do. Yeah. Yeah, no, I but, think that's, I mean, that's, that's the most awesome thing about it. about it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is what it's about. I just uh, the idea is, you know, because 22 veterans a day kill themselves, um, three EMS, EMT kill themselves, and those numbers are too high. And um, 
you know, the the VA and a lot of these guys are, are let down by our system and they, they just don't, they don't feel like they're getting the help that they need. And we just want them, you know, when the walls are closing in around them to know that they have a place, you know, we're, we're there, they have brothers, they have sisters that love them and, and want to see them do well. And we, we, we get together around motorcycles and we use those as our, um, our home plate, like it's it's what we do. It's what we love. Brings us together. So I mean, that's exactly what motorcycles did for me when I was going through all my fits. You know, so I just don't want to lose vision of that. That is exactly what motorcycle mission yeah. is, yeah. is here for. It's not for the accolades and all that stuff. It's for the camaraderie and the healing and the you know the brotherhood and and um, getting rid of your demons and. Uh, kind of clearing a, a new path, I, I should say. So. Yeah. Well, let me ask you this, Crystal. For those people who know someone with PTSD or someone who is currently dealing with PTSD on their own, um, typically that's not something that people who are dealing with that, they don't typically like to talk about it. So in your experience, do you feel like what you guys are doing, do you feel like the people that are coming in, um, find some kind of, I don't know, find it healing just being around other people who are going through it, even if they don't talk about it and discuss it, just being around people who are feeling the same way that they are. Right. I mean, a lot of a lot of the guys will come in and you won't ever think that there's anything wrong with them until until one day, you know, the, the shadows come off the walls, you know, and, and, and then we notice, you know. Um, a lot of these guys put on a, the brave the brave face, and they don't talk about their problems. You're right, but it's amazing to see them open up when they realize that their brothers have the same thing going on. You know, they've been to the same place, they've seen the same ugliness, they've seen seen the same war. Um, you know, to know that there's somebody out there that understands them, and you get to hang out around motorcycles and and just be yourself. Um, without judgment, and with people who get you, because a lot of their family members don't get them. They weren't they weren't there. They didn't they didn't see what they went through, you know. And people think that they, they just need they should just come home and get right back into the swing of things the way that they were before they left. But it's just not that easy, you know. And and one of the number one things a lot of these guys, uh, especially um, that the gentleman that wrote me about the motocross that he now bought his own dirt bike. He said I didn't realize how badly I needed the adrenaline. The adrenaline when I left wow. the battlefield was so intense that when I got home and there wasn't an outlet for my this adrenaline that I needed, I was going crazy. He said, the motocross, the dirt bike, has given me that outlet to 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 just exp- like get, ex- just this all this adrenaline I got stored up. I just to get it out, you know. And then he comes home and he's able to spend more time, quiet time more focused time with his wife and his family and, and be a better husband and a better person, you know, and a a better employee for his his job as well. So for him, it was the adrenaline. For some guys, it's just camaraderie. Yeah. Very cool. Different things from it. Go ahead. Go ahead. I think you got a lag again in the, in the speech. Yeah. It was, yeah, it's really bad today for something that we first got on. Um, well, 
I think that will answer a lot of people's questions. Um, we've done a show before with an organization that that really reaches out and helps people with PTSD, and we got a great response from it. And I, I just remember that being one of the comments that we got from that show. So I wanted to make sure I asked you that. Um, so I want to move on to something that I do with every guest, and it's called our hot seat. So if you're ready, I have ten questions for you. I'll ask you the question, and you just give me the first short, quick answer that comes to mind, okay? Okay. All right. So um, we'll start out, Crystal, with who is your biggest influence in the motorcycle industry? Hmm. Can I have a couple? Sure. I would I would honestly say David Roy from Voodoo Vintage. Um, he's been my mentor uh, pretty much from day one and has been um, a, a brother to me and has, has some really mad skills that he loves to share with other people, um, and he, he shares them with me all the time. And so he's probably my biggest influence. All right. Um, do you right. have another one, or um, you, you want to stick with that? Well, I mean, Jesse Combs and my friend Sophie Chingos uh, from GT Moto probably as well. Yeah, and you guys all know who they are, so those are good ones. Um, tell me, what is your favorite model bike? It can be past, present. It doesn't have to be something you've owned, but what's your favorite model of bike out there? Um, I really love Indian motorcycles a lot. Um, and honestly, and I know it's it's not like the Indian Scout. It's 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 my favorite bike. I, I I love it. I love riding it. I'm short, so when you find a motorcycle that fits you perfectly and you can actually touch the ground, and you don't have to be you know every time you're at a stoplight going oh shit oh shit oh shit, you know, I love that bike. It's it's good. Uh, value for its money, and I just enjoy it. It's my favorite bike that I own, so I'd probably just say the Indian Scout. Your Scout's really cool, too, Your so really again, we'll post pictures of that, and if there's any that other short girls or guys out there, you know exactly what she's talking about, because it's hard to find a bike you can touch the ground. Um, all right, what is your favorite vacation spot? Ooh, favorite vacation spot I really, I really liked Thailand when I went, but I also enjoy going to my parents' place in Arizona, in Phoenix. And you said there was a place in Phoenix. Sorry. Yeah, they have a. My parents have a, a place in Phoenix, in the Ahwatukee foothills. So I like going there, and I also like. Um, I really like the the Thai like Thailand and the islands there. I went there a couple of years ago. It was a good time. Beautiful there. Yeah. Corey went there a few years ago and he had a blast. So I, I know a lot of people that go down there and they want to go back as soon as they get back. But he complained a lot about, he said that there were some places that they went where it was a little shady and smelled kind of bad. Did you go to those places? Oh, yeah. <laughs> All right. Um, what is something, a skill that you want to learn that you don't know how to do now but that you want to add to your skill set? Metal shaping. That's a good one. That's a good one. Yep. 
and you know the right people for that. So, all right. Um, I do. What is your number one piece of advice for new writers? I would say don't rush into being a badass writer right away. I mean, I think so many people want to be experts. Um, I allowed myself a lot of time to grow into the sport. Um, I didn't, I wasn't cocky and I, I just, my whole goal was to learn and to, to be safe and be the safest rider I could be and learn, learn control and, um, you know, be familiar with your bike and then just push yourself from there. I, I gave myself one year before I was allowed to upgrade my bike from my, I bought a Ninja 250 as my first bike. So I gave myself a lot of time before I would allow myself to move up. And I, I did a lot of training on, on the track with Ride Smart um, before I really, before I really allowed myself to, to consider myself, you know, like an intermediate rider uh, or anything like that. But just, just seat time is all you can do and, and, and just taking your time and not being a, not being a smart ass on a bike because that's when you, when you mess up and you get hurt. Yeah, that's huge. That's yeah, great that's advice right there. And a lot of people, especially when they start younger, they don't listen to that. So I'm glad you said it. Um, what's your favorite rally? Well, I mean, the rock rally is in my backyard, and I like it because of that, but that's not my favorite one. Um, I would say Sturgis. I think Sturgis because of the history and the people involved, and, and um, I know, I just like it. I like Daytona too, but um, yeah. I kind of get more out of Sturgis when I go, for sure. Well, the riding in Sturgis is like second to none, so I that's my favorite oh, yeah. too. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, what about your favorite food? Sushi. Uh, what's your most used your tool? Hmm. I don't, just my socket set. Okay. This one's the last two are kind of deep, but what what do you want your legacy to be when you leave this earth? What do you want people to remember you for? I just want people to remember me for having a heart for other people, and um, I want to be known as someone who's selfless and and who just uh, who just cared. That's all. I think you're on track for that. So um, you're doing the right thing. Um, Last one, and I ask everybody this. If we were to do a build-off and you were asked to build a bike and you could build a bike against another builder, who would you want to do a build-off against? Ooh. You know... Have you guys, you know Shasta Smith? Um, Shasta Smith would be kind of a cool person to do a build off against. I don't know her personally, but I like her style. She's kind of she's kind of funky. Um, That's cool. Shasta Smith. Yeah. Um, if you don't know her, you should look her up. Cause she's got a really badass shop in uh, California. Yeah. Um, and she works, have to do works that on all her own stuff. I'm, I'm not super familiar with her, and she's not someone who's been brought up on the show before. A lot of people tend to mention some of the same names over the years of doing this, so I'm glad that you mentioned somebody 
that is not well, mentioned a lot and somebody who's a female. Yeah, and uh, her shop name is called The Vintage Monkey. And she's this, like, okay. fiery, hot, redhead, redhead chick. And I don't know her. She and I are Facebook friends, but I can tell she's somebody that I would totally get along with. But, um, yeah, she cool. probably, I would like to do a bike build off against her. I think that would be badass. That'd be awesome. All right. Well, now is time for you to tell everybody how to connect connect with you, how to find you online, and then let us know how we can support Motorcycle Mission if people want to donate or if they want to support in other ways. Yeah. So um, I have the – I have Facebook. I have Instagram. We have Twitter. So Facebook is just Motorcycle Missions. Instagram is Motorcycle Missions. The website is – uh, motorcycle-missions.org or if you're you're lazy like me, you could just do motorcyclemissions.com that'll take you to the same place um, on our website we have um, a, a page that says donate how to donate and then you can click a button and you can donate through there, you can also buy t-shirts um, and tank tops through there, um, all that money goes to our programs um, basically I mean, we have we have other ways. You can always you can PayPal us money uh, or send us a check. And if anyone wants to send us a check, just send me an email to info at motorcyclemissions.com, and I'll give you my mailing address. Um, all the money that we use or that we get um, from donations goes to our programming. It pays for motorcycle parts. It pays for welding equipment. It pays for um, gas in our vehicles when we go on. Um, go to motorcycle shows. It pays for the pizza that we buy the guys sometimes for um, for their build nights, um, promo material, all the things that we need to keep the program running. So it's all needed. And like I said, me and Dave and Chris are all volunteers. So your money is 100% going towards the guys and, and their um, experience uh, with our program. So what else? I mean, Very I, cool. if anybody wants my phone number, they can always uh, email me for that, too. I don't usually just give it out. I don't have it publicly displayed anywhere, but if someone wants to get a hold of me and actually chat with me, just send me an email, and I'll, I'll um, start. we'll start there, and we can start the conversation. Well, Crystal, I want to tell you thank you so much for coming on the show today. Um, I know that everybody's been looking forward to it, and hopefully anybody that didn't get to listen to the live version will be able to listen to the recorded version later. Um, And I'll post a new link for that. You can use the old link or the new link that I post, so you'll be able to find it easily. Um, You guys know that you can find us on iTunes at any time, or you can find us on um, our website, wideopenradioshow.com. And, um, again, Crystal, thank you so much. I love what you guys are doing. Um, I'm glad that you were able to come on and tell everybody about it. And um, hopefully we'll be able to keep sharing updates about what you guys are doing with our people because I, I think that it needs to be seen. Awesome. Thanks, girl. All right. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thank you. Okay. All right. Take care. All right, guys. So next up for Wide Open Radio, you guys know that um, I'll be doing a, a live walkthrough of Orlando Harley-Davidson on Thursday on my way to Daytona, and there may be a couple more stops in there. We're still trying to figure that out. Um, but definitely Orlando Harley-Davidson Thursday afternoon, um, March 8th, uh, probably around 2.30 p.m. I think is where we have it set right now. So you'll be able to check that out. If you guys aren't 
exactly sure which one is Orlando Harley-Davidson because they do have a couple of different locations and other locations around Orlando. Um, the one that I'm going to is the one, if you're heading if you're heading out to Daytona from the West Coast on I-4, if you're going down I-4 period, um, they have a huge inventory off on the north side of I-4. Um, so I'm going to go check it out and see what they're all about and find out what they have planned for Bike Week. Um, and then, of course, Bike Week coming up, I've got a lot of stuff planned. Um, the first interview I think that I have is with Rhonda Brown from Mall Tigers. Uh, she's the new female influencer, and she'll be in Daytona, uh, which is kind of the beginning of her around the country several times over the next year tour. So she's going to be riding her bike all over the country. Um, so make sure you tune in for that. And, again, you know you can always go to our Facebook page to see all of the events that we have set up and to get in touch with us there. Um, Let's see. And again, we'll post this episode uh, at wideopenradioshow.com for you. So thanks for listening. We'll see you guys again soon. Uh, remember, next broadcast will be Thursday at Orlando Harley-Davidson. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.